Football systems check. Microphone. Check. Record enabled. Kate. Check. Michelle. Check. All systems go. I repeat, all systems go. We got a problem. We got a Copy. We have ball blast. I repeat, we have ball blast. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Welcome to the Ball Blast Podcast. Here to help you get ballsy and win your fantasy football leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Kay Majuk, Michelle Majuk, and Jake Trowbridge. Ayo! Oh, wow. Did you just hit puberty while you were You guys, I'm so excited to be on the podcast. Breaking news. <laughs> welcome into the Ball Blast Fantasy Football Podcast. And Jake, welcome to puberty. <laughs> Thanks. Where it's our goal. Oh, goodness. Uh, you know. In puberty, our goal is to help you get ballsy. <laughs> and win your fantasy football league. Or win something. I don't know. I'm your host, Michelle. You can find me on Twitter at BallBlastM, BallBlastEM. And I'm Kate. You can follow me on Twitter at FFBallBlast. And I'm Jake. I've derailed this podcast already, and you can find more of that over at Jake Trowbridge with a W. We had a wild weekend full of the NFL draft. Trades went down. Picks went down that we never would have thought would happen. Uh, You know, the Patriots were just taken... I think they just like looked at a list of names from the draft and they're like, you know what? That guy has a cool name. And they just, they picked them that way. Yeah. They saw cross and they said, Hey, we just had Easter. Let's do this. Let's do do this. Like, let's just, let's do it. And you know what? But I love the Patriots and the fact, like, I don't love the Patriots, but I love the attitude where they're like, I don't give a crap about your mock drafts. I don't give a crap about your pre-draft, like, anything. Like, we're just going to take our guy, and you know what? Screw it. And sometimes, like, you do that, like, in a dynasty draft, and you come out looking like the smart guy, or you come out looking really dumb. Today we're not going to be talking about any Patriots because (laughs) they didn't make any moves that we care to talk about for fantasy football. But there were two moves, veteran moves in the draft, that we should hit on first. Uh, A.J. Brown gets traded to the Eagles. Oh. Wild move. Oh. Did not see that coming. You, it, it seemed like out of all of these guys who want to get paid, A.J. Brown was like, yeah, I want to be a Titan. And it seemed like the Titans were going to pay him. But apparently they weren't because they offered him $16 million a year, which is just like half of what he should be making. So I mean, I awesome. basically made that. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. Like, come on, guys. But A.J. Brown is now with the Eagles. So this obviously, you know, affects his fantasy value. Uh, let's start there. Let's start with AJ Brown's fantasy value. Do you think it goes up? Do you think it goes down, stays the same? I mean, he is going from one. So everyone's worried about the Eagles and how much they pass. It's not like the Titans pass very often. He's not changing offenses too much. It's just about the quarterback and then the competition there. So Jake, what are your thoughts on AJ Brown and his fans? I know everybody wants to have a reaction of like, this is drastically different. This is really good. Or this really stinks. And I'm just like, this is, it's more or less the same as you're talking about. It's not that the passing attempts are going to be so wildly different in that offense, the quality of them. There's debate there that the high quality of those targets more to do with the Titans than it does Maybe the Eagles, but that could change a little bit, and I'll acknowledge that. But I'm not really dropping him down too far. Yeah, I mean, with Ryan Tannehill, he got better because we don't know why, right? But probably because of A.J. Brown, right? He got A.J. Brown. He got a a dominant wide receiver. Okay, wait a minute. And then A.J. Brown was off the field, and guess who wasn't good anymore? It was Ryan Tannehill. So maybe I'm sorry, is Derrick Henry a pile of poop? Well, also, that's what I'm saying. He also was <laughs> without Derrick Henry. So it's many things. It wasn't just A.J. Brown he was without. But I do think to help Ryan Tannehill take that ne- next step, A.J. Brown did help that. I do think the biggest difference between these two offenses is that there's a Devonta Smith with the Eagles, and there wasn't really that wide receiver too. I guess Corey Davis back in 2020 when A.J. Brown had a nice year. Maybe you can compare those two. That's my only worry, but I don't know. Maybe it it knocks him down a few spots next year for redraft. Maybe. I don't know. 
I don't know. I like. <laughs> can we talk about Jalen Hurts though? Yeah, oh. that's the that's the fun one. I mean, Jalen Hurts was already the QB seven last year in points per game, throwing to a. Uh, I don't know what was he for a watermelon. He had Devonte Smith. He had Dallas Goddard, but the rest of them, sure, they were Jalen Ragers. They were Greg Wards. Like it was, it was a rough group. Besides Devonte Smith, who was a rookie and he's a skinny rookie, that's not going to win a lot of like. He's not AJ Brown. Yeah, he's not AJ Brown. So this should help him a ton. I am absurdly high on Jalen Hurts. I already know this. So Jake. Do you have like a rough ranking where you'd put him for this this upcoming season? This is completely off the cuff in my head because I do not have anything formulated yet. So don't hold me to this if it ends up sounding stupid. That's what I'm saying here. Uh, I would honestly put Jalen Hurts just for 2022 in my top five quarterbacks for the season with this move. And, And I don't think you'd have many regrets doing that. Kate, where would you have him? I legitimately think there's a chance he finishes as QB1. The QB1. But where would you rank him? Mm. Three? QB3? So. Nice. Behind Mahomes and Allen? Okay, so I would rank him QB3 behind Allen and Justin Herbert. Mahomes without Tyreek Hill for an entire season, I do think we could see his fantasy production come down. I mean, last year, Mahomes and Jalen Hurts scored the same amount of points per game already. That twenty one point seven and twenty one point four, but you know, and that was Jalen Hurts in his first year starting. You also, that was Patrick Mahomes with Tyreek Hill. You take away Tyreek Hill and you give Jalen Hurts AJ Brown. You would think you, uh, Jalen Hurts could make up zero point three points per game. You also know that that was a like that was a rough season for Patrick Mahomes. Like that you was think that, it's going to get better had, without Tyreek Hill. I'm not really sure. I like I don't I don't know what to expect, but I mean. Mahomes had like a historical stretch of interceptions last year. Like what we saw from Mahomes last year was not typical of what you see as a as a passer from him. You do have plenty of rushing upside from him. I think I just think there's so much that Mahomes offers in terms of upside and safety as a passer. Um and and I don't know. Well, you I, know what's nice is that Mahomes and Josh Allen and Justin Herbert, they're going to be top three round picks in redraft and Jalen hurts because people have this disrespect. He's still going to go early. Like I still think he'll be a top, like probably fifth round, like much earlier than he was last year when I was in love with him. He will be much earlier than that. And it will be harder to take him, but I still think he's going to have a couple round discount from those other guys. And I don't think the points are going to be that different. Yeah. I think some of it comes to from like the bias of, I feel like nobody buys into the fact that the Eagles are committed to Jalen Hurts, even though that, like, I think this move to acquire A.J. Brown is like a clear signal that, hey, you're our guy. Here's some weapons. Let's see what you can do. I think that's a decent commitment from them, especially given that we haven't seen a ton from, like, I I just, I like what, I like what he's stepping in. Yeah. Another big trade went down on the first night of the draft. Marquise Brown gets sent to the Cardinals. The Cardinals get a first-round pick for Marquise Brown. People find that crazy. They cannot believe the Cardinals gave a first-round pick away from Marquise Brown. I like him. I think he's good talent, so I'm not shocked by it. I, I think it's a fair value, although everyone else in the entire world thinks it's crazy. Maybe it is. But then... Maybe the Cardinals knew about DeAndre Hopkins because it comes down this week. DeAndre Hopkins gets a six-game suspension for the 2022 season. He'll start his first six games not playing. So maybe they're like, we need to get a wide receiver in here. All of the wide receivers in that draft already went by the time they were going to be able to pick, like the top guys. And Marquise Brown and Kyler Murray, another friendship like A.J. Brown and Jalen Hurts, they get them back together from college where they had a lot of success. I think this increases Marquise Brown's value in fantasy. Am I wrong? I think it does. What 
what bums me out is he was already going to be a really good value with the Ravens. I think the spotlight will be on him a little bit more now from everybody else's perspective. So the value might not be there quite as much, but I think that there's going to be an uptick for sure in his fantasy production, especially those first few games while DeAndre Hopkins is out. But I think for the long haul, like I could see Marquise Brown on a per game basis, finishing better than DeAndre Hopkins this year. Wow. Kate, what are your thoughts? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised by that whatsoever. I talked a lot like this offseason and towards the end of last season about my concern about DeAndre Hopkins and his production. Like, he didn't finish as a top five wide receiver despite absolutely dominating in touchdowns. Like, usually what sends off red flags is if we see a guy finish top five, top ten with, like, low yardage, like maybe they're overly efficient in the the reception department or uh, maybe they're over efficient in like yards per reception or in some metric. But like DeAndre Hopkins, he wasn't overly efficient in anything but touchdowns and he still wasn't efficient as a fantasy wide receiver. I do worry just in general, what is this going to mean for him? He's going to be out of the mix for quite some time. He's going to have to come back in to kind of a brand new offense that Kyler Murray's going to have to execute without Christian Kirk, without DeAndre Hopkins. Like, things are going to shift. It's not going to be the same old crew that he had last year. Kyler Murray at Oklahoma in their last year, right? He, I mean, dude had it going on with with these wide receivers he had to throw to, but his top two wide receivers... Were Hollywood Brown and CD Lamb. I've For those of, of you who do not remember this going on, it was both of those guys were on the same team with Kyler Murray in Oklahoma in 2018. It was Marquise Brown that led that offense with 1,300 yards. CD Lamb had 1,100. So it was like Marquise Brown was Kyler Murray's dude. They've been hanging out like their besties. So there's something to that, and I think he's going to have a good season. Uh, but we'll talk more about Marquise Brown closer to the season and where we'd rank him and all that good stuff and where we draft him. Let's get into the rookies now. Let's get into this draft and everything that went down. The big story of the draft were these quarterbacks just falling and falling and falling and falling and falling. Like they were never, I, there was a point where I was like, okay, like Sam Howell's never going to be drafted. Like I was like, maybe he goes undrafted because <laughs> it just, it took so long, it took to the fifth round, but we, we finally got the landing spot. So Kenny Pickett goes in the first round to the Steelers at pick 20. I don't really want to talk about that, but I know you're going to. It was a quiet, it was a quiet house. Yeah, it was not a happy <laughs> house. And then we wait a really, really long time until the next quarterback comes off the board where the Steelers could have obviously gotten Kenny Pickett in the second round, but who cares? I care. At, but Atlanta goes with Desmond Ritter in the third. Then Titans take Malik Willis. The Panthers get Matt Corral, and the Commanders get Sam Howell. Finally, with the in the top of the fifth round there. So when it comes to these rookie quarterbacks, obviously you're going to say Kenny Pickett has the best chance to start this year because he's the first-round pick. But besides him, do you think any of these guys have a chance to start week one or at least sometime early in the season in 2022? I think two of them have a legitimate shot at starting week one. And it's because of the obvious question marks about the quarterbacks that are there in Atlanta and in Carolina. So Desmond Ritter competing with Marcus Mariota. I mean, logic says Mariota just got brought on. He'll probably take over week one, and it might be a few weeks before Ritter takes over. With Matt Corral, though, like Sam Darnold or Matt Corral, that's not, I mean, it's not a great question. And the answer is probably bad either way, but because they're both equally bad, I could see a way where Matt Corral takes over week one. Yeah, I mean, probably, right? I mean, do they go into the season being like, Sam Darnold, yay. My only concern is if they go sign Baker Mayfield or Jimmy Garoppolo, which they said they're still open to looking at Jimmy Garoppolo or Baker Mayfield. And because Matt Corral was there for so long, you know, there's nothing holding them back from signing someone else. That's my only worry. Kate, I know you really like Desmond Ritter. Do you think he gets any time this year? 
I think he's absolutely in a position to compete. I think Marcus Mariota is like a very safe option, but I also think that like Desmond Ritter, one of my pros for him coming out of school was I thought in terms of his NFL processing, like very pro ready, doesn't have a perfect arm, doesn't have perfect accuracy, but I think he has all the traits, but like his mind is where I think he gains the edge um, in terms of like some of these other rookies in starting. Like I think he's just maybe a little bit quicker to process the game. So Desmond Ritter, I would probably give like the greatest chance of starting this year. And like that's probably a, a hot take, but I don't think it is because I think Marcus Mariota had one nice run for the Raiders. And our brains in fantasy football saw this, and we're like, Marcus Mariota should be a starting quarterback in this league. And then you go look at the stats. They're not good. They're so bad. In 2017, he played, he started 15 games. He had 13 passing touchdowns all year long to 15 interceptions. 13 passing touchdowns to 15 interceptions. And then the next year, yeah, that's bad. 2018. He plays 14 games. He has 11 passing touchdowns and eight interceptions. And then we know in 2019, he played those first six games, and then Ryan Tannehill took his job. Seven touchdowns through six starts. Like, there's nothing really there, guys. I mean, he got his job taken away for a reason. There's a reason he goes to the Raiders and, like, doesn't ever – I mean, I also think he's a very good backup, like backup. a high-quality backup. But we haven't even seen him have to be a backup because Derek Carr didn't miss any games. Yeah. So we don't even know if that's true. It's just um, – I just – if Desmond Ritter is going to be anything, right, he's going to be better than Marcus Mariota from the bat. Like, that's how I feel. I don't think Desmond Ritter is going to randomly hit later on down the road. Like, you either are better than Marcus Mariota right now at 28 years old when he hasn't played for two years and he was garbage for the two years before that, or you're not an NFL quarterback. Well, no, you ran NFL like, starting quarterback. That's a good point. So, like, I've, I've talked about the mentals here for Desmond Ritter, which, like, check, check. But also in terms of, like, athleticism, if that's what attracted you to Marcus Mariota, okay, check, check. Desmond Ritter, super athlete. Um, Like, you can build that into your offense. I think Desmond Ritter gives you all that you probably want from Marcus Mariota. Like, maybe, again, like a less refined arm. But gives you all of that plus upside. Like, I, I genuinely think Desmond Ritter could start the season for the Falcons. I wouldn't bat an eye. And I actually think it'd be good for Drake London, for Kyle Pitts, for all all parties involved, including me. He is one of my favorite super flex picks um, in the second round. Or, you know, if you're looking for a quarterback in a regular one quarterback league in your dynasty rookie drafts, I'd be taking him late in those rookie drafts because I think he has the upside and I really like him. Let's move on to the running back position with the Jets. So the Jets move up and they trade up in the second round to grab Brees Hall, the top running back in this draft class. It's a good landing spot, right? There weren't a lot of landing spots that we saw before the draft where we're like, this dude could get 300 touches because there's an opportunity there without any injuries happening. But this is one of those landing spots that he legit could get a ton of touches so do do we think he could be a top 10 to 12 maybe even higher running back this season jake what are your thoughts on that i don't want it because it means i would have to admit that michael carter probably isn't going to be much of a thing this year so uh it's very tough for me to swallow that but i mean realistically what's interesting about the offense is everything everything becomes interesting about the jets offense now i know if we're just looking last year, you might see Brees Hall and be like, I don't know if the offense is good enough for him to crack that top 12, but it's going to be such a drastic change, I think, this year. And I mean, as much as I hate to say it, he is certainly better than any other running back in that backfield. I think just based on volume, uh, I'm not projecting the world for targets, but based on overall volume, I think he has a super good chance at not just the top 12, but maybe the top 10. I think it'll come down to touchdowns, like how good is that offense? And they have all the weapons to be good. 
They fixed, they made those improvements on the offensive line. They drafted Garrett Wilson with the number 10 overall pick. I think the best wide receiver in the draft class. Kate thinks the second best, but either way, he's talented. And then you have Elijah Moore, you have Corey Davis. It comes down to Zach Wilson, right? That's what can the Zach Wilson is. Can he supply all these guys? Yeah. But also, can he, you know, get this team in scoring position enough to score the touchdowns? So let's compare some running backs right here. Brees Hall or Joe Mixon, 2022 fantasy. Joe. I think that Brees Hall probably represents higher upside, but I think Joe Mixon is the safer of the two. Yeah, I'm going with Joe Mixon here. Because we already know the offense will score touchdowns. He'll have scoring opportunities, and he's used a ton. So Joe Mixon was an easy one here. I went easy to begin with. Kate, you took that too seriously. Second one, Brees Hall or Antonio Gibson? I think this is easier than the Mixon one, honestly. This is certainly Hall for me. Yeah, Hall. Like, there's no chance it's Antonio Gibson. Okay, I agree with you. It's definitely Hall there. I'm taking the shot on on the rookie hitting. You're taking a shot on anything if we're all agreeing. I'm just saying, no, I'm saying I'm taking We're the all shot taking shots. real contrarian. I'm saying I'm taking the shot on the rookie over taking the guy, oh. you know, that, that's been struggling in offense. It clearly just doesn't want to use him for his best skill set. And then Brees Hall or DeAndre. You De- didn't even ask me. You're going with Brees Hall. Brees Hall or DeAndre, <laughs> DeAndre Swift. I just can't stop laughing because Michelle accidentally wrote in the show doc, DeAndre Swift. <laughs> DeAndre. <laughs> I think that's a great name. DeAndre Dandrew. Swift or Brees Hall? I'm going That's with Dandrew one. all the way here. Dandrew Swift for uh, 100% certainty on my end. Yeah, same. Uh, I think he just represents higher upside in terms of uh, his receiving ability. Like, I love Brees Hall as a receiver, but I just I still think DeAndre Swift is, like, slated for enough targets to sustain him for a lifetime. I'm going with Brees Hall. Ooh! Whoa! Oh, somebody put this question in the show doc for a reason. It, I <laughs> didn't. I didn't. But it, it is. It is close. I do think Swift is obviously will get more targets, which is helpful. But if Jamal Williams is still there in Detroit, we saw they used him uh, so too much. Get him off the field. DeAndre Swift is the much better running back, but they kept using him. And then the you know the touchdowns he has to share, even if they ever get down there. So it's like, at least we know when the Jets get down there, hopefully it'll go to Brees Hall, right? Whenever See, but do you think, there. are you saying that Jamal Williams poses more of a threat to DeAndre Swift than Michael Carter poses a threat to Brees Hall then? Definitely near the goal line because Michael Carter's a small dude. Sure, so but if we're taking imagine- touchdowns out of it, because I can't see either of these guys scoring a ton of touchdowns. I think that's the big issue against both of them. It's because of those offenses. But like, if you were to take touchdowns away from it, would you give the edge... Purely then based on volume to Hall or to Swift? To Swift. Okay. Okay. To Swift. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on now to our rookie grades, the draft. The draft happened, and we got the landing spots, and that's so much fun to see. Like, who do we think is going to do well? And we don't want to change our ideas of these guys too much just based on landing spot, right? Because talent matters as well. We've seen plenty of guys go to, we thought AJ Brown was going to a terrible situation with the Titans back in the day and up being amazing. So you don't want to put too much stock into it, but let's go over one rookie for each of us that gained the most value in the 2022 NFL draft. Jake, let's start with you. I'm going with Kenny Pickett, the only quarterback taken in the first two rounds. I know the Majuks are not happy about this, but I kind of am. I'm kind of happy just for his own value and nothing else. Because if you can get beyond his tiny hands, then (laughs) this is really the ideal landing spot. And if you can't get beyond his tiny hands, then like take a couple minutes, play Wordle, make a sandwich. This segment is not going to be for you. But he fell to pick 20, and I think that initially that's a big concern. However, the other quarterbacks, as we mentioned... Nobody went near him. It was round three before anybody else got got taken. If it was different, if they all got drafted around him, then I take that fall a little bit differently. But you can't convince me that the Steelers are not the absolute best spot for his own value because there's almost no competition. Sorry, Mitch Trubisky. I, I don't believe that he is that much of a threat to Kenny Pickett. And the Steelers are just that organization that a young quarterback needs because they're so steady they're so consistent they're good at building 
And if old floppy arm Ben Roethlisberger can finish as the QB 13 in 2019, then I think Kenny Pickett is going to be just fine throwing to Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, Chase Claypool, Pat Fryermuth. He's got Najee Harris in the backfield to help him out and also to dump off to. Also, I think Calvin Austin is going to be good, who was just drafted this year. But most importantly, like I've said it many times, I'm not a good rookie talent evaluator. So I will default to Mike Tomlin, his coach, who said he was the most pro-ready quarterback in the draft, that he has pro-level anticipation and pro-level accuracy, two of the main components that he was looking for in a quarterback. And he also wants a guy who's going to be a little bit more mobile. Well, duh, because Ben Roethlisberger is the exact antithesis of mobile. Not saying Pickett's going to rush for a 1,000 yards, but he can definitely present that a little bit better. He has a relative athletic score of 9.55 out of 10. If you don't know what that is, that's basically looking at all of their measurables, all of this performance at the combine, comparing that against the historical uh, comps at his position. It's real good. So I like everything about this for Kenny Pickett. I'm not going to anoint him a top 10 quarterback, but I definitely think it was the best situation for him. Yeah, I guess. Maybe. I'm going to guess I will relative say, athletic score probably doesn't take into account hand size. Hand size. Maybe it I only say, takes into account hand size. And because <laughs> they're like, wow, with a dude His of relative that small athletic of hands? score is bigger than his hand size, Jake. <laughs> I will say that, you know, Ben Roethlisberger had that one really good fantasy year in 2018. I, I think you accidentally said 2019. That was the year he hurt his shoulder. But 2018 mm. is when he had his amazing season. That's fine, right? And then the rest of the seasons, like, he's never been really good fantasy quarterback. And, like, last year he ended as a quarterback 21. Do we really think Kenny Pickett's going to be a better quarterback than even Ben last year? Maybe it's close, right? But that's not saying much. And do you know who was the most pro-ready? Like, everyone loved this guy because he was so pro-ready. He was ready to come in and take up an offense in the 2018 quarterback class. It was Sam Darnold. Everyone said this dude is so pro-ready. He is the safest pick in the draft. Everyone said that. Safest pick. You had your upside guys with Josh Allen, with Lamar Jackson, with Baker Mayfield. They were riskier. They had higher upside. Sam Darnold was so safe. This has been my comparison to Kenny Pickett. He is literally the same exact human as Sam Darnold, except with baby hands. And I just, I can't handle that. And I just don't see the upside in fantasy. I mean, I don't see the upside in fantasy. I do see, like, a relatively safe, like, I, like a... I think he'll be all right for the Steelers. Be I, I think he'll be fine because he has Mike Tomlin. He has all these weapons, like you said. Like, I don't see him falling apart. I just don't see the upside here. And I don't, like... Like, Sam Darnold gets drafted to the Steelers... He's probably not the quarterback he was with the Jets. He's, but he's still right. not an elite quarterback in any sense of the term. Like he doesn't just become like the worst quarterback in the league to a great one, but he's maybe like slightly below average, right? And I just don't know if that's what I want like, in my fantasy quarterback. But like Sam, Darnold, especially when he doesn't have rushing upside, really. Sam Darnold might have turned into like a caliber quarterback that we just like talked about for Marcus Mariota, where he's not. He doesn't have like upside really, but he's good enough, and he just sort of hangs on. I think in, I like, think his ceiling would have been San, like like a Derek Carr. Like your ceiling is a Derek Carr, which if you hit that ceiling, that's fine, right? I think that's his median. I think Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr is his median. Yeah, you're not gonna win any uh, playoff games as an NFL team, and you're not going to win any fantasy championships with Derek Carr. But he's not gonna be the worst ever. So if that's what you're shooting for. So he's got that going so for him, which is nice. Here's my, here's my yeah. issue with Kenny Pickett is that if Kenny Pickett hits, he needs to hit in like a, a bunch of different ways. Like the late breakout age, the really small hands. Like he needed two gloves to play in college. And I do like we can laugh because I think it is funny that Michelle's hands are almost as big as Kenny Pickett's. And I would not trust her in an NFL game, though she has a hell of an arm. Like, yeah, a baller of an arm. But, like, Michelle, I wouldn't trust you at quarterback. No offense. My issue with Kenny Pickett just comes down to the fact that, like, 
you had issues with this in college, it's not just about the fact that the, the measurement came up small. It is about the fact that the measurement confirmed what we already saw in the field. That he fumbles nonstop 100,000 times a game. He has ball control problems. And guess what? That is a symptom of having small hands. It's not – I feel like people are kind of thinking that people are reacting to the measurement specifically. And if it's not an issue for you, no problem. But – it is an issue for him, so it is a problem. When like, you already fumble a gazillion times in college with a smaller ball. I with mean, the two col- gloves. The college ball is pretty small. I mean, two I can, gloves. I can really chuck that thing. I and think you're gloves. both underrating the glove technology at the NFL level. I think that's what's not being taken into account enough yeah, here. Maybe, but in Pittsburgh weather, it gets slippery, and that's why he fumbled a gazillion times even Jake, with gloves on. He never played in Pittsburgh weather. Like, the the Pittsburgh weather that he's playing with in November, not the same Pittsburgh weather that he plays in January. And I think as somebody – Well, like, we don't have to worry about that with fantasy. Well, we got to move on. We got, I, I got to – as the host, I got to move us on <laughs> to the next guy. You should have never got to start with Kenny Pickett. Nobody's drafting him it. anyways in 2022 fantasy. But people are interested about Dynasty League. So this was an important conversation to have. Jake thinks you should draft him. Kate and I clearly don't yeah, think so. Yeah, best of luck. Now, a guy that Jake will probably have a lot of takes on, it's Christian Watson from the Packers. The Packers get their wide receiver, right? They didn't take one in the first round, but they traded up right at the top of the second round. They gave away their other second round pick to move up. They take Christian Watson out of North Dakota State. He is a tall very fast wide receiver. I thought you were going to say a tall drink of water. <laughs> no, he's, he's, I was going to say he's a youngin', so I can't say that, but he's actually not young. So I can say that he's 23 years old already. He is a super athlete. So I'm going to give him this, right? So I don't, you may have already heard me talk on other podcasts on this podcast. I'm not the biggest Christian Watson fan as a prospect. I think there's a lot of scary things about him and he's very, very risky. He did not dominate at the FCS level when he had, um, you know, when he had to make a contested catch, he really couldn't. And he's six foot four, 200 pounds. Like you should be able to dominate in contested catches in those type of situations because those corners that are on you, they're never even going to sniff a practice squad in the NFL. Like you should be able to dominate against these guys. And he really had trouble coming down with those balls. When he was wide open with, you know, deep receptions, he had trouble tracking balls. He had a 12% drop rate. There's a lot of things about him that it's extremely risky. But then at the same time, you see his upside. He's an insane athlete. What he can do at his height and size is crazy. And then you get put with Aaron Rodgers. I mean, you could not be put into a better situation with Devontae Adams gone. He should be the wide receiver one in that offense because they traded up for him. There's no one else there besides Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb and the fourth-round rookie they took, Romeo Dubs. So he has a great opportunity. What's funny is I comped him to Marquise Valdez-Scantling before the draft. Now, I did say he's a more explosive and more dynamic MVS. So if that's what you're getting, right, because I think Aaron Rodgers tried to make – Valdez Scantling a thing like he tried it just wasn't working but if you try to make him a thing and Christian Watson's a slightly better version that's more that has a better verse that like is just a little bit better then maybe it does work right he maybe they can connect and maybe it is a beautiful thing so I'm going to with this landing spot I'm getting off my high horse with like oh he's risky I even in my rookie draft and one of them I took him at the 110 you know it gets The, the top guys come off the board, and it gets thin there with guys who have potential. I thought he had the most potential, even though he's risky. I took him at the 110, but then I made sure to get Romeo Dubs later in my rookie draft. I got him in the fourth round, but I'd be fine taking him late third because I think one of these guys, because they took Romeo Dubs in the fourth, one of these guys will be involved heavily in this offense. I do could see it being Dubs. It's a scary thing, but I need both of them just to make sure I hit on one of them. Guys, I tweeted it out. I actually, I'm taking Romeo here. If I have my pick of the two, and they were, like, obviously you have to consider draft capital here, but let's say the draft capital had been similar and uh, 
like their land or their landing spot is still the same. And I'm looking at them back to back in a rookie draft. I would take Romeo Dupes. Dupes? Dubs? I call them Dubs. Dubs. I like Dubs. Dubs Dubs just sounds awesome. So I'm going to anoint him Dubs. Dubs just sounds, oh my. I mean, that's his nickname from here on out, Dubs. Um, But so I think you're looking at like two different prospects. So like Christian Watson, you're looking at an athlete who maybe isn't yet a wide receiver. And Dubs, I think you're looking at a pretty great wide receiver who's not a great athlete. And I genuinely believe, like, we've already seen the athletes not win out with the Packers. Like, it's not necessarily the athletes that we've seen succeed. It's not the speed. It's talented wide receivers that can develop chemistry with with Aaron Rodgers. Like, I think that guy is probably closer to Romeo Doves. But that's just me. I think I want to Christian hear, Watson. There's just so many question marks. Jake, what is your thoughts on Christian Watson? Because it's the Packers. They went up and got him. I, I was confused thoughts? at the draft pick initially when they. I was happy that we finally took a wide receiver. Don't get me wrong. We didn't do that in the first round, and I was very agitated by that. But then they trade up for Watson, and I, I honestly, I've been burned so much by any just raw athletic player coming in that I kind of have hesitation still about him. I think his ceiling is fantastic. I think it's a much, much bigger ceiling than MVS ever had. If you want to comp him to that, totally cool. I think with Romeo, we're talking about a guy who's maybe closer to, I think, what Kate's getting at. It's like a James Jones kind of guy who we saw have a great connection with Aaron Rodgers. And he didn't dominate, but he was always there. He was always reliable. And that could be Romeo. So I do agree with Kate. I might be the guy who hesitates and sits back and waits for Romeo. Romeo, Romeo, where art thou, Romeo, on my damn team? Because uh, that was so lame. You know what? Just cut that. Just cut that entirely out of the pocket. No, No, but I do think think that he has just as good of a shot as being the number one. All right. I love it. Kate, who's your favorite landing spot? Who gained the most? Um, I'm going to go with Damian Pierce, who I actually talked about last week, so I'm not going to talk about him for too long, but... I want to talk about the landing spot. Houston uh, was taken in the fourth round, but the second pick in the fourth round. So very early on. But, I mean, could you imagine a more perfect backfield to land in? We talked about Damian Pierce, and the biggest question mark being, can he sustain a workload? Because whenever you tested him at Florida, like, you saw him succeed, period. Like, pass blocking, yep. Receiving, sure. Like, rushing, damn straight. Like, he's just been super solid, but you have not seen him with a full workload, even though he profiles as a guy that can do it all. Now he gets to just walk into a backfield where I already think he's probably the best running back on the entire team. He's competing with Marlon Mack. He is competing with uh, Rex Rex Burkhead. Uh, Like, that's it. Oh, Dari Ogunbowale, who nobody's even learned his name yet. Yeah. Ogunbowale? He's a Wisconsin yes. guy, so I know that. I think Marlon Mack will probably start as a starter, but Davian Pierce is in a really nice spot. He's too. in the perfect spot. And, like, when you're looking at what the Texans did last year from their offensive line, like, very not good at all. Frank dead last among NFL teams and PFF run blocking grade dead last in – Rushing yards, uh, dead last in yards per attempt. Like, not good. They added Kenyon Green in the first round, which I think, like, where they drafted him in the first was a reach, but, like, still a solid asset. He was a better run blocker than he was a pass blocker in college. Like, this all bodes well for Damian Pierce, and I think just given his size, given what we've seen in college, I, I just genuinely think the biggest gamble on him is can he handle a workload? And, I mean, God, if you can gamble on that in the beginning of the fourth round, like, hell yeah! Yeah, that's a nice value pick there. I agree with you. Let's move on to our, well, besides Damian Pierce, let's move on to our other favorite value picks. But this is guys that you can get in the second round in all of your rookie drafts, and you're not leaving that second second round without them because they're too good to let go by. Jake, let's start with you. 
I friggin' love Trey McBride, tight end who was drafted to Arizona. Uh, he was taken in the second round. That was actually their first pick, though, so that's important to note. Per PFF, McBride is one of only two college tight ends since 2014 to have a 95-plus receiving grade in a season. The other one, Kyle Pitts. Uh, he's not being valued anywhere close to Kyle Pitts was last year. Not saying that he should be, mind you, but I do think that the gulf in their perceived values is pretty interesting because there's a, a huge gap there, and I think we can exploit that. So McBride led all tight ends with 90 catches and 1,122 receiving yards in 2021. That's the most ever by a Mountain West tight end, by the way. Uh, he was also a dominant blocker, though which is huge. I mean, that's crucial for a young tight end to come into the NFL and to be able to get snaps consistently. You have to be able to block. You can't just go out there and run wide receiver routes. Now, his immediate fantasy value, it sticks because he's behind Zach Ertz. And unless they decide to deploy more two tight end sets with Hopkins being suspended, um, maybe he gets some, some decent playing time this year. <clears throat> Excuse me, but I think you're really looking at for 2023. And I think he is going to be a huge value in that season. He's the only guy I'm bothering with as a tight end in the first three rounds of my rookie drafts. I'm not even messing with the other guys. It's just McBride. I would think about Jelani Woods, but I'm here with you. I just dropped my white claw while you're talking about Trey McBride. <laughs> so now I don't want him in any league. I just feel like it's, <laughs> it's a bad sign. Yeah, it's just a bad sign. Um, it's not terrible good. omen. omen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. My favorite value in second rounds, I already talked about this guy on our last episode, so I won't hit on all the details, but Jalen Tolbert, wide receiver for the Cowboys. He lands with them in the third round. Cowboys have come out and said that the decide they were deciding between Sam Williams, who they took in the second round, and Jalen Tolbert in the second round. So he was almost their second round pick. They ended up getting him in the third round. Love that. Um, I mean, he's pro ready. He's ready to go. He is older. He's also 23, just like Christian Watson. So there's no reason to be scared off his age if you're not scared off of Christian Watson's. And Jalen Tolbert, the opposite of Watson, he dominated against lower competition. He played for South Alabama, which is in the FBS, but he has led the FBS in receiving yards over the last two seasons. He had 77 catches of 15-plus yards since 2019. That's also the most among FBS wide receivers. He lands in a spot where Michael Gallup is recovering from an ACL tear, and he tore that in week 17. He like, just got the surgery, like, yeah. a month and a half ago? Yeah, he got the surgery in mid-February, and what the uh, a doctor, David Chow, from Pro Football Doc said, um, this was his exact words. So he had a surgery to repair his torn left ACL in mid-February, indicating he likely had damage to his MCL as well, Given the delayed surgery, the Cowboys wide receiver turned free agent is unlikely to be anywhere near 100% for the start of the season. So that's from a doctor. I don't Go really know who out. he is. Oh, he's fantastic. Uh, Dr. Uh, David Chow, pro football doc. Pro but, football doc. So good. So if he's not going to be ready to start the season, they got Cedric Wilson left in free agency. Yes, they signed James Washington, but I do think Jalen Tolbert can come in and start immediately – and what's so great about him is he can be played on the outside, can be played in the slot, can be used deep, can be short, can use, be used intermediate. He's super versatile. And I think he's going to have an immediate impact. And when Michael Gallup does come back, he's still, like I just said, he can be used anywhere. So there's no reason to take him off the field. Just plug him in somewhere else. Uh, I think this dude can be an instant fantasy asset like this year where he puts up you know, maybe 800 yards and eight touchdowns. But I, I like him. Yeah, Love he him. has an immediate role, literally, yeah. like, today. Yeah. Yesterday. Hey, who's your guy you're not leaving the second round without? I'm going with Rashad White, running back out of Tampa. He's six foot, 214 pounds, drafted in the third round. One of the older running backs in the class, and probably a, not, a, a name that, like, hasn't surpassed any sort of hype contest like Brees Hall or Kenneth Walker, but... Like, Rashad White has been touted as the best receiving running back in this class by far. And guess what, guys? With the Bucks, we know what Tom Brady likes. He has a type. And his type has not been, uh, like, anywhere near Tampa for the last couple of years. Like, 
he's been living with stone cold hands and I do think that Rashad White offers him a lot of upside and like an immediate pathway to a role whether that be in the receiving game as a pass blocker he's just got a, a pathway to success right out of the gate fourth in receiving yards among running backs in the FBS last year second in yards per route run which we know is a predictive stat a thousand rushing yards 15 touchdowns like this dude has size he's got receiving ability he's not the most refined runner but like we know what Tom Brady wants and what he values to get a running back onto the field and that is receiving ability and I think he's instantly the best receiver on that team period yeah I think he hurts Leonard Fournette a little bit just because Leonard Fournette was thrown into that role because Ronald Jones literally could not catch a ball if it had glue on it. I swear to God. Just because he caught balls doesn't mean he's a yeah. natural Len- Leonard Fournette can actually, like, I mean, he's going to catch a football because he's played football his whole life. I don't know what Ronald Jones has been doing with the ball, um, but he cannot catch We're it. We're back here. Life. Yeah, but I do think Rashad White will hurt him a little bit, and I, I like that. All right, let's move on to close out this podcast. Let's name the one wide receiver we think will have the best 2022 season so best rookie season that you're going to draft and redraft because you believe in them to hit right away michelle i think i should go first because it turns out you and jake are double teaming and y'all have the same answer yeah so give your you answer guys real are quick. copycats true. give your it's answer true. and give uh, i'll give you the real correct, quick i will give you the correct answer real okay. quick it's drake london falcons wide receiver uh just absolutely dominant he is a grown man and he is walking into... Actually, he's only 20. He's actually... Yes, he's very... He is one of the youngest players in this draft. But, like, a grown man still. Um, has size, has, like, the body control, has just the abilities as a wide receiver that I think you want. And a guy straight away is going to be walking into an instant target chair... I just think that like maybe if you're knocking his athleticism, if he's working outside of Kyle Pitts, I don't think that's going to be nearly as big an issue as you want to create. Drake London, he's big. I I don't see any issues with his like actual speed on the field. And I think that any issues he has with speed on the field, he has the strength to overcome. I just don't like this is – easily my pick to win offensive rookie of the year second best odds in the nfl on drafting sportsbook he's at plus 750 only behind kenny pickett but there's a but he needs desmond ritter <laughs> like he needs desmond ritter bad no receiver tight end or wide receiver has ever surpassed 831 receiving yards from marcus Mariota under center in a single season yeah, that's why I'm going to pick my guy who actually has success. So I don't need to rely on Marcus Mariota or a rookie in Desmond Ritter. I'm going to go with Chris Olave, wide receiver with the Saints. So you're just you're rooting on Mr. ACL recovery yeah. and Mr. tight end. So 11th overall pick for the Saints. Yes, Jameis Winston tore his ACL last year, but he tore it in the middle of the season around the same time that we saw Joe Burrow tore, tore his. Joe Burrow came back and was completely fine that next season. Winston, what? Oh. What did you say? I was doing that. I'm fine. Yeah. <clears throat> Winston has had all of his videos come out this offseason. It's completely different type of videos than what we're seeing. with Like, like Michael Gallup just had surgery, and Winston's like – running all over the place doing drills like he looks like he's gonna be ready for the season and obviously when you're going with a wide receiver for the saints you have to hope it's Jameis winston and not i don't know hill still like i don't even know who's their backup quarterback andy dalton i think is their backup no like please no but the saints have given up everything for chris olave it's kind of crazy so austin gal from pff tweeted this the saints have essentially traded picks number 98 number 101, number 120, a 2023 first rounder, and a 2024 second rounder for Chris Olave. That's nuts. They traded so many picks just to get Chris Olave. It's kind of like Trey Lance, who sat on the bench all year. Yeah, but this is is a lot of picks for a wide receiver 
And I, I like Chris Olave a lot. I think he has great body control. I think he can go up in the air. I think you do. You could be your deep threat. He could take a slant to the house. Like I really like him from Ohio State. I think he was very successful there, and I think he can be very successful in the NFL. But now he goes to the Saints, who have very needy at the court, the wide receiver position. Even if Michael Thomas comes back, which I do think could be the best thing for Olave, right? I don't really know if he's a wide receiver one right off the bat. Put Michael Thomas in there, get defenses to go over to his side. I think that's the best thing for him. And Olave's easily the second best wide receiver on this team. I mean, Marquez Callaway led this team with 698 receiving yards and six touchdowns last year. Olave, Olave is better than Callaway. So I'm not worried about that. And Winston, I mean, we, he has supported amazing fantasy wide receivers like in his career just in his last season that he started a full season in 2019 with the Buccaneers both Chris Godwin and Mike Evans were top five PPR wide receivers in fantasy points per game Chris Godwin averaged 19.7 points per game Mike Evans averaged 18 fantasy points per game so it's not like it's like oh you have to choose one Michael Thomas or Chris Olave it's like we've seen Jameis Winston support two guys do I think Chris Olave is going to put up anything close to Jamar Chase numbers no but I don't think anyone in this class is going to so when I say I think Chris Olave is going to have the best season out of these wide receivers I'm saying like I think he can have like a maybe 1100 yard season eight touchdown type of season that's like what I think his ceiling is but I think that would be the top guy this year in this class. I'm going to go out on a limb. I agree with everything that you said. That's why I also am choosing Chris Olave. I'm going to go out on a limb and say he's the only rookie receiver to crack 1,000 yards in his rookie season. I, yeah. I like a bunch of these guys, and I think they will be great long-term, but I don't think any of them come out of the gate swinging, like you mentioned, a Jamar Chase. And it's just, you know, he's going to be Jameis Winston's best friend. So, ipso facto, he should be your best friend in fantasy football. Yeah, and that guy we didn't mention this whole podcast, who is my wide receiver one, is Garrett Wilson. I'm, you know, he got put into a position with the Jets. He has Elijah Moore, he has Corey Davis, a little bit more crowded, and a massive question mark with Zach Wilson, right? It all comes we down to Zach Wilson. We already talked about the question mark of Zach yeah. Wilson. And but I still love Garrett Wilson. I'm still happy to take him in the first, the, the beginning of the first round. I'm betting on the talent though of Garrett Wilson, and that's a little bit scarier because his landing spot's not great. But I'm still willing to bet on it. I, I just wanted to mention that really quick. Garrett Wilson is the kind of guy that can like elevate his quarterback. I I think Garrett Wilson. Like I know you said. You threw a, a little jab at me earlier for not having Garrett Wilson as my wide receiver one. Yeah. Garrett Wilson was my wide receiver one for a long time, um, and then I grew up. But um, <laughs> the tear break, like, I mean, it's Drake London and Garrett Wilson, and then there's a tear break. I think These I'd, guys are back-to-back -back for me. I think I'd rather have the shot, though, that Zach Wilson hits than being stuck with Marcus Mariota. He's not stuck with Marcus Mariota because he has Desmond Ritter. Okay. <laughs> Anything else you want to add, Jake, before we hop off today? Not a bit. I just liked I liked it. I liked the episode. Liked I liked being back. <laughs> I wasn't here for the last one, and now I feel yeah. I feel revived. True, true. Now, this is going to be so much fun. We have all of our rookie landing spots. We have our free agents with their landing spots for almost all of them. We can keep digging in to Dynasty and to Redraft. We'll be back next week with a new episode. Hit us up on Twitter if you have any questions about your rookie drafts and you want to get our input. You can hit me up at BallBlastEm, BallBlastEm. You can find me on Twitter at FFBallBlast. You can find me at Jake Trowbridge with a W. Bye, y'all. Bye. Bye. That's it for this week's Ball Blast Fantasy Football Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, leave those five-star reviews, and check out BallBlastFootball.com for more league-winning advice.